when I was contacted about the prospect of doing this podcast today, uh, as someone that spent more of their playing days with the physio than on the actual pitch, uh, I was really excited. Um, if you're interested in new technology in football, sports science and injury prevention, then I'm sure this conversation will be for you. Kim, thanks ever so much to join, for joining me. To start, can you explain who you are, what you do, and maybe Vicon's mission as a company? Yeah, so I'm um, Dr. Kim Duffy. I am the Vicon Life Science Product Manager. So Vicon is over a 35-year-old company uh, where we specialize in motion capture. So we founded our technology on optical motion capture, which some of you have may seen in like the films and games where you've got like little markers on a, on a suit and you use a specialist cameras to track that motion. From our side, we're more interested in the life science looking at tracking human movement. So can you look at how a person moves? Can you understand uh, if we're able to improve their performance or injury prevention and things like that. So that's where we are in terms of the life science sector. So my job as a product manager is being able to try and maximize the technologies that are available to our users, customers, coaches, athletes, for them to be able to understand uh, motion, track it in a very simple to easy use way and um, provide features that make it easy for their day-to-day -day collection. Because obviously one of the things of technology, whilst it's great in terms of the amount of information we can get, we do know it can be time consuming. So we're trying to reduce that, make it as more efficient, getting that information from the like research and strength and conditioning coach straight to the athlete and, uh, and, and coach to be able to use that data and use that information. So that's kind of part of my role to be able to provide features that help that and kind of develop it over time. Can we incorporate new technology like wearable technology apps that can be used in field that will help the athlete or and coach as well? Interesting. That, that, as I say, I'm really fascinated by it and we'll definitely touch on that later. Um, you kind of touched on it there, really. Like when people think of technology in football, uh, they think of different things. They think of, you know, Hawkeye, goal line technology. Uh, and at the moment, of course, the, the ever controversial VAR. Um, for me, it may be a, a signal of my age. But as you mentioned, I think of the likes of FIFA um, and sports video games. Uh, you know, you see the, the footage that gets, you know, that comes out where the players have a markers on them trying to capture their movements to replicate authenticity and um, one of the things i didn't realize was the importance that motion capture plays in injury prevention and rehabilitation um, in the paper that you guys sent me if i remember correctly um, i believe in january alone this year it cost premier league clubs are reported 16 and a half million um, to take care of injuries so when you think about that over, over the course of the season, that isn't cheap. Um, and from a well-being and welfare perspective with elite athletes such as Premier League players, um, optimising their physical fitness must be paramount. 
could you explain the role of motion capture and biomechanics when it comes to dealing with injury? Yeah, so that is kind of where biomechanics and motion capture technology really became to the forefront initially. It's more, as you said, injuries are not cheap. Um, you've said you've had injuries. I also too have had injuries. So I'm a footballer as well and semi-professional. And during my early 20s, I spent more of the time getting treatment or in, in an operating theatre than I, I like to admit. Um, and that is where obviously this is where this technology can help. Can we first obviously try and treat the, the injury effectively as possible and ensure we get in players on the pitch quicker so like having a successful return to play but then there's also the other side of the coin where biomechanics and technology can we try and prevent it before it happens as well so there's lots of different places that are trying to use this technique so there's many different ways of doing that where we can do it in the lab for instance so if we know players are a bit more vulnerable to certain types of injuries. So like players that have had previous ACL injuries, they're more likely to have like other knee injuries. So they might be kind of more classed as like watch players in terms of just making sure we're like monitoring them more closely. Uh, they might be called in regularly to kind of get assessments, just to kind of seeing how they're loading like side cutting and everything so we'd use a motion capture system with integrated force plates to kind of see where their foot the forces are being applied as they're cutting out so you typically have that collaboration particularly especially football teams the premier league teams are normally associated with universities that do that for liverpool um using that as an example liverpool john moore's have quite high collaboration links with like Man United, uh, Liverpool, Everton. So what they do is they've got a, a group called the Knee Injury Knee Injuries. Um, that research team will, when these high elite players get injured, they'll get called in to be assessed by university researchers to kind of look at their entire biomechanics profile to determine understand where the injury may have occurred, like what possibly could have been the primary cause. Was it like a muscle imbalance, for instance? Was it actually like a external force as they've side cut that's caused that like ligament snap? And then they'll help them, the coach and strength and conditioning coach and physio to give them kind of more of a personalized training regime, because that's the key. Injuries happen and they're, they're very hard to prevent, but what we need to make sure we do is personalize that rehabilitation and return to play because not one rehab works for all. Yeah. So having that kind of monitoring and understanding like what a particular baseline is for that player, and this is where motion capture and biomechanics assessments helps that. So you've got kind of like the lab-based one which is good in terms of having a controlled environment where you really in your early stages of the injury to understand as and you've got that baseline to progress. But then that's not obviously monitoring your injury return to play when you get back on the field. And that's where sometimes you start getting those niggles. Um, you're a player, obviously I'm a player. So 
getting back on the pitch after a long injury, you're so keen to play that you might not admit to your coaches, I'm bad for it, saying that, oh, I have got a niggle, I'll just kind of play through it. But having that monitoring whilst you, you're on those training camps, so using wearable technology to kind of at least have, for the strength and conditioning coaches, have that ability to observe that data whilst you're actually playing the sports in not a controlled environment. So how do you react to getting tackled, for instance? Where do you place your feet during a tackle? So having that information that you can use that then, okay, you're very weak on here, you're not like hip flexors are not turning out, right? We need to work on these exercises off the pitch and stuff. So it's a combination having both in lab, but also in field uh, technology to monitor. And this is where a lot of um, professional elite football teams and other sports are kind of trying to utilize into getting away from the lab into the field. Interesting. Uh, you make some fantastic points there. And I mean, when you think of typical injuries, uh, knee dislocations, which I know all about, can take about, what, six weeks, less if you're lucky. Um, damaging, you know, you pointed out cruciate ligament injuries. So your, your ACL, which is really common amongst footballers, um, I believe is six to nine months. I've been very fortunate never to, to do any of my cruciate ligaments. But in an ideal world, say, would the work that you do and the technology at your disposal possibly lessen the, the time on the sidelines or the, the time out for the athletes? I mean, possibly. That's the ultimate dream. Uh, this is where scientists such as myself and other researchers are really wanting to get to. You look at the likes of, um, is a company in a big hospital uh, called Sports Surgery Clinic, and they're based in Dublin. They're one of the highest footfalls of um, elite athletes going into, into that clinic to get the biomechanics monitored, not only for injury prevention, but also performance enhancement. But in the injury prevention side, what they're trying to do is use all these athletes database to try and see if then they can use prediction models to help train to understand could markers appear in order to identify right okay we need to stop this player playing because they're on like a point of an ACL rupture mm -hmm. and that's the ultimate dream can we get more data and more monitoring to be able to stop that one of the products we do have is called Step which is a asymmetry uh, bone monitoring um, tool, which uses uh, wearable inertial sensors that are placed on the ankles, and it's all for return to play. So can you look at, are you loading more on your left to your right, for example? So I, as I said, I'm a, a semi-professional player. I used to, last season play for Cheshire United, and, I just got back from quite a nasty ACL and MCL injury. So I've been quite unfortunate to receive five of those bad injuries over my career from the age of 13. So I, obviously having it at such a young age did cause me to have a lot of, I guess, biomechanical changes. So I wasn't like loading correctly in my knee. 
but during that time of wearing their senses what myself and like my snc coach noticed was i was starting to load more on my left side again compared to my right so what we were trying to question was am i getting an injury on my right am i starting to favor my left because i typically play with both feet i was like okay am i playing looking at video data was i actually you being loaded more on my left side for instance and um two games later after kind of identifying that going right we need to target more on uh, the right side i got a nasty tackle ended up getting a bone contusion in my knee uh, so my femur and tibia banged together it's known as like a bone bruise and i got a cartilage flap over so my cartilage kind of flapped over at my meniscus so that should have been only a six weeks injury that turned into three months. So kind of having that data, I wasn't yes able to kind of prevent the injury, but the aftermath of that, we were able to kind of look back at that data and go, right, okay, where did we go wrong in my, in my training? Could we have potentially, not obviously, we wouldn't have been able to prevent the tackle, but could we have pre prevented or minimized the mm -hmm. rate of injury? So what I'm doing now is I'm pleased to say I'm like almost fully fit, so I'm back playing, but um, we're able to kind of take that information and kind of see how I've gone back more symmetrical. So I'm loading now both on both sides and everything. So we've been able to like use that information to kind of incorporate biomechanical uh, like information in terms of, okay, my glute needs weren't uh, activating properly. I need to go back to basics in terms of band work, but then I also need to like increase more the plyometric work of how I'm loading and that explosiveness. But um, having that information to kind of see how that progression and increase the intensity, but obviously having that data to complement where when I was not feeling great, okay, you're loading more on your right side again, this is not what we're wanting, let's take it back again. So that having information to be able to kind of use during your, your return to play is obviously important. And then ultimately, it's the, obviously the more data we have on a player and players in the same setting. And also like having, as you mentioned earlier, having technology whilst playing is vitally important. VR is obviously not a great example. It's still in its infancy and probably more trouble than it works right now. Like how many goals we've had disallowed over the coming seasons and everything. But having like maybe markless technology that can kind of give basic biomechanics information, like you've seen like players having GPS on their back, but can we also then, can teams then use that information to incorporate what they're getting, you know, off, off a match game into training to try and help them see if we can then prevent or even enhance performance because that's the ultimate thing. We're not here just for injury prevention. We want to improve performance. Like players are getting quicker and everything and the stakes of getting that Premier League trophy or like Champions League, more players are wanting to progress and be successful so how how can we use technology to help that can we use that as well uh, so ultimately to answer that question i've very gone long-winded about it but 
Um, the more data we have and the more information we have in terms of what happens at injuries at like a baseline, what, where does that primary cause, hopefully we can understand it better to be able to treat it better. And I don't know if you've seen with your rehabilitation, but we've also evolved in the way we get medical treatment. Like when I first had my ACL, I was 14. And they basically told me not to move my knee for like nearly 10 weeks. They were mm. just like, keep it still, don't move it. Whereas this time I've had a lot, I had two uh, reconstructions and it was a case of within like two days, they were just like, you need to keep moving it. You need to, to increase the recovery. So science and medicine, medical technology and research is also evolving, which will help rehabilitation in terms of athletes so that also comes into play and obviously we're getting better equipment and clothing that also helps not only from injury prevention but performance yeah definitely and don't worry about going going long on your answers this is what podcasts are for that's absolutely fine you raise some absolutely fantastic points there and Interestingly with me, I've also had hamstring surgery as well. And one of the things I've, I was always told is that I load excessively on my right, which is obviously indicated weaknesses in my left side. So whether that's with me glute, my hamstring or my knee. So yeah, exactly that, that. That's spot on. And I think especially for in, uh, footballers or professional athletes, not even professional athletes, athletes at any level, going through tough times such as you know, any sort of injury, having that knowledge and information there to be informed throughout the process, I do feel like it goes a really, really long way. Um, you touched on it there, you know, the, the likes of, of equipment and, and GPS um, and other images that spring to mind uh, with technology and sports are the vests that you see players wear, wear often when they're, they're training, sometimes they wear them during games, um, and they help evaluate with uh, metrics uh, and key performance indicators. Um, while a lot of work can be done in a controlled lab environment, like you said, um, when you compare this to tracking devices and data straight from the field, what are the benefits? Yeah, I think the key benefits of having him field is you're getting realistic data, you're getting game data, game data that is unpredictable what's going to happen in a game. So you're getting that kind of metrics that you never get in controlled environments. So obviously with a GPS unit, um, that is what's placed typically in the back. So you, you've got companies such as like Catapult, Sportsats, for example. And what they're looking at is like, speed metrics so how quick a player is running whereabouts are they playing in the pitch and obviously that also attributes to when you've got the commentators kind of seeing those stats at half time as well like your pundits going okay you've got Wayne Rooney he should, he's playing as a number 10 role but you see he's only like a tiny hot spot so he's not moving as much that's like one example you've got just many players that you like okay they're a they're a striker but they're clearly doing that high press so you're seeing that kind of information so that metrics you don't get with biomechanics but what you don't get with gps units is kind of obviously metrics such as like what's happening at a joint level so when you when you all load in and that's where having that combination of like in field 
metrics of GPS units, accelerometers to then going in the lab and having that full in-depth biomechanical information is like really important. So you, you merging those data together. So it's not a case of saying one data set or like data collection technology is important compared to the other, but they both have benefits and really if one technology did everything, then none of the technology would exist. It's a mm -hmm. case of incorporating them together. Uh, one of the teams that really is big at doing incorporating like lab technology on, on a training facility as well is Ajax. Uh, so Ajax um, with Vossa uh, Debud, which I really hope I said her name uh, correctly. She's um, um, a researcher for Ajax that they got in. Um, Ajax were obviously a really successful team for, for many years, dominating in like the Champions League and everything. And then they started noticing that they were going like a decline in performance, even not just at the like elites of first team, but also in their youth development as well. So one of the things they were really keen on doing was going, right, we actually need to invest in science. And that was something that they weren't investing in before. They were kind of using GPS units, but that wasn't telling them enough information to be like, why are we not getting our youth progressing or are we able to sell them on and ultimately make money as well and be successful again? So in 2010, they actually invested in a Vicon system and uh, this is when they employed Vosse uh, de Boots to kind of bring back the science. So she was ultimately tasked going, hey, here's a piece of kit. We don't know what we want to find out, but we want science to help our youth academy progress to make us successful again. And that was ultimately what she did. So they invested a lot of money in like a training camp, which is, um, it's kind of like a air dome that we put on top. And one of the things that's really cool about it is that it's got like oxygen um, variation. So they also can like stimulate training altitude and everything. So when they're traveling around the elite teams and the different uh, environments, they're able to stimulate that as well. So obviously that's really good as well that you're able to get players. Yes, it's like an uncontrolled area, but it's still a football pitch that stimulates training at other, other areas and other environments. So what she did was she got exposure to the entire youth, uh, youth team to be able to try and bring the science in, looking at like goalkeepers, how they dive, you know, in terms of where they position themselves on, um, obviously in the net to kind of where they're diving you know like can you look at like the shoulders for instance can we reduce like shoulder you know shoulder injuries can we are we able to grab you know predict during like penalties and free kicks and things like that but then also out players and then like 10 years later what happened like last year I believe that uh, Ajax was in semi-finals I really hope I got that correct yeah um Six over six of the academy players that kind of helped have all this data and incorporate back into the training, they became like the MVPs for Ajax that season. 
And not only then, they've now like got quite a successful team. A lot of their youth are getting bought by high elite teams, you know, elsewhere like Barcelona, like uh, Man United. There's lots of different uh, teams that are, invest, you know, buying uh, their youth players all because they kind of invested in the science. And since then, because she kind of got the buy-in from the youth and academy, she's then been able to get more exposure to the elite players. So originally she, I can't quote exactly how many minutes she was given, but it was like a few minutes being like, this is how much you're allowed to run on a scientific test. Mm-hmm. Now for motion capture, say if you've only got one to two minutes, you're not going to have even time to place markers on a person, let alone capture any meaningful data. But since then, she's been given more time to collect data on elite players as well. And that, I guess that's where they've been able to prove, like having both in fields and in the training caps being very useful for them to be able to kind of bring that technology and they've got that investment on the elite. Because I guess that's kind of brings back to where we said originally about elite players and how much it costs for injury. One of the, I guess, barriers for us to kind of get assessment of them is their time is so, um, so precious. It, we have to justify everything we do on elite player. If you're, you've got a player that's worth millions, you've got to really justify every minute that you're taking out their schedule being like, mm-hmm. this is worthwhile them doing. Like I was very fortunate to work with uh, the England Lionesses um, over the last couple of years in terms of doing their uh, gate assessments and reading, uh, reading women. But I had to actually ask for like two hours out of their training time uh, to be able to do assessment and obviously report back. And that is a lot of time out of a player's training schedule because it, it was a case of like, okay, you can have this play, but you've got to realize they're going to miss a strength and conditioning session or you they're not going to be able to do the training session afterwards because of the recovery time. So you really have to justify um, that it's worthwhile for the players and having that investment so that when you present that data, the coaches and management and backing staff can go, okay, that was worthwhile because we've been given this. And that's where, obviously, as you said, having the GPS and uh, the big technology combined together is really useful for that buy-in. Most definitely. And that leads me to one of my other questions, which was, you know, as far as world football goes, I've always been a massive fan of Ajax. Um, they really are pioneers in the game, uh, you know, at a technical level. Uh, you know, you think of some of the names for me, Renus Mickles, an old manager, and of course, Johan Cruyff, whose influence you still see in football today. So it, it's no surprise to me that they're very progressive when it comes to the, the physical aspect of things too. Um, you did cover some of it there, but when it comes to dealing with elite the you know the elite level what are some of the obstacles that are in the way in order to create that desired working relationship at the the top level yeah obviously time is a big one which i touched upon um investment in technology so technology isn't cheap so you think motion capture systems they, they aren't cheap 
investments and they are specialist equipment so you not only are investing a piece of kit you need to have someone that is able to run that piece of technology you don't want to turn around to a coach being like hey we've got you this amazing technology with hundred thousand pounds for example that we we now need you to run it they don't need to learn how to run that technology but you need like a biomechanist or a scientist that can run that system day to day but then present that data in a meaningful way as a scientist we absolutely love the data we love the numbers but talking to a, a coach and an athlete they don't care about those numbers they want to know going what do i need to do to get better what do i need to do to get quicker and for that coach, they need to know is, okay, this player is injured. When can I get them back? When can I get them back at full contact? So one of the challenges for us as like scientists and biomechanists is trying to present that data in a meaningful way. So can they understand it, whether you're using like video, because numbers don't mean anything. If I say to you, oh, you've got a 40 degree knee flexion, you'd be like, what are you talking about? Like. Whereas like saying to you then, like you said earlier, okay, you've got very tight hamstrings and it looks like your, um, your, your glute meat's not activating at the right time and you, you're using other muscles. That's where that's useful for you to understand going, okay, I need to do more like eccentric, isometric exercises and things like that. So you, that is more meaningful to you than, than a number. The obviously the other thing is the buying from the athlete themselves. Uh, some of the athletes are, I guess, cautious in terms of um, this technology. I remember uh, eight, this was before my time at Viacon. We managed to get some elite athletes and they were doing some data capture for FIFA for the game. And Cristina Ronaldo was one of the people that we got to capture, which must have been amazing. And apparently his skill is insane. And obviously we had his uh, sticks and markers like shown on the screen. So other people were looking at it. And he then called over his uh, lawyer being like, I'm pointing at the screen apparently. And what he was terrified was of us stealing his IP so are you actually stealing his ability and things like that so that's one other side of technology that i guess is quite an interesting one which we probably don't think about but some of the athletes are scared that are we gonna present them in a negative way and that's also where you've got to be careful i mean professor jackie alderson from university of western australia she did a fantastic talk a few weeks ago where um, so she had to look at like professional cricketers and bowling legality of like fast bowlers and one of the things like you have to be careful on is like how you place the markers and what biomechanical models you run could you end up ruining a, a athlete's career for making the wrong decision on the science you apply to that data you know the data and that's where other scientists also have to be careful that we don't um give the wrong data interpretation that could sway a decision completely different mm. and this is where obviously research comes into play that we're able to validate our techniques and the models we apply to ensure we're measuring what we do and having standardization 
But yeah, that's always one that makes me laugh whenever they said Cristiano Ronaldo was so scared that we were going to take his IP and steal his steal his tricks. I'm pleased to say we didn't. Um, <laughs> but I think that's one of the things like some of the athletes do. I've been cautious of in the past going, is this going to be um, shared to kind of like steal my information or is it going to hold me back if I'm getting assessed from an injury? Does this mean like a person's not going to invest in me anymore? And that's not the case. It's the case for our side. It's a case of getting that player better and trying to prevent future injuries. So kind of understanding the root of the problem because as you said there's so many different reasons why we get injured it could be like direct contacts it could be indirect but usually there's a reason why like women or you know like women after footballers or even men that have ACL injury ACL injuries for example why do they happen and can we prevent them and stop other things causing that risk and try and reduce that rate yeah definitely that it makes sense and I can't ever imagine a time where elite level football won't be so stringent and selective really. Um, you touched on technology there of course and innovative technology of course is without a shadow of a doubt one of the most important things in society uh, whether it's telephone to smartphones or radio to for example podcasts. Um, the paper discusses a bit about access to the consumer through tech giants um, and you see glimpses of things like this through the likes of Fitbit. Um, what's the relationship like with big tech companies? Yeah, so with big tech companies, they're obviously starting to invest more in the technology as well. So not just, one of the great things about consumer products is the easy access for everyone. You see like everyone every day these days, like if you go running, how many people have a smartwatch on? How many people have like a GPS unit? They want to have more data. They want to understand like how they're running. They'll, they'll also use like smart apps to kind of understand how quick they're going to improve and have that monitoring. But one of the kind of key things that comes back to that, these big giants in tech is, is that data actually measuring what it's saying it's measuring? I mean, like you've got, as you said, Fitbit and like Apple watches that they show that they collect so much data. But as a consumer, we probably don't question as much. Is that actually true data? I don't know. Like I, when I run my app, uh, iPhone and my Apple watch, I always get discrepancies in terms of speed and, you know, how far I've gone. So I always then have other data to try and like, I use a GPS unit, I use IMUs to kind of, see if I can actually validate which one is actually closer to what being true. But these sort of tech giants are starting to now invest in technology such as ourselves. So they're using motion capture technology to help make their systems more accurate so that when people get in that data, it's a bit more meaningful as well in terms of more precise so you, the likes of you've got like your Apples, your Amazon, your Google, they're all investing in these sort of technologies to help um, improve their monitoring. And a lot of them are actually starting to invest in sports teams. So I think it's Amazon did a partnership with the NFL. They were like starting to try and invest in that sports. And we're seeing it in a lot of um, 
a lot of big tech companies are investing in sports as well to help monitoring. So having, um, for example, in baseball, there's also a system called Hawkeye where they're starting to do more biomechanics, markerless motion capture. So using the Hawkeye video camera of what you track during the game. So as if we were watching it on our settees or whatever the game, they're using that technology then to run basic biomechanics assessment. So these um, companies are obviously investing in that. But then I guess the other side of that coin is researchers and technologies such as us have to help them collaborate together to make sure what they're doing is actually accurate and valid mm -hmm. and make, you know, obviously meaningful for people. And you've got the likes of people like Professor Jackie Alderson and other big, you know, sports scientists in the world that are using these technologies to kind of say, okay, this is good from a consumer level, but this is how you need to do to make it better. Yeah, that's understandable. And I mean, one of the things that caught my eye in the paper when talking about technology was the integration of the likes of augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, as, as, you as you mentioned there, it, I think the, you're coming up against a, you know, a factual representation of the data, whether it's reliable and whether it can be you know, repeated. Um, for me, obviously coming from a place of not knowing could you help educate me on what differentiates the the use of vr from maybe a lab in terms of the the, the results that it produces yeah so obviously in a lab you get in that you get it's highly controlled you're probably able to use like very high-end technology but what you're missing from doing it in a lab is that realism and this is where VR and AR is very powerful and I really hope and I'm you're already seeing it that these elite teams and universities are collaborating together to invest in this technology um, an example I can give you at NFL they're starting to incorporate it with like quarterbacks because one of the things you get with a quarterback is during their training they're constantly getting hit and they sometimes get more injuries in training than they do in a game. So how can you make that quarterback have effective training where they're getting those defensive line coming close to them, but having that realistic place where they're, okay, these players are approaching me to get that, you know, like release that ball. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that some of the universities are investing in with the elite teams is, um, placing those quarterbacks in VR. So it simulated all the different plays or different ways that plays will approach them, how they will get the pass, receive the pass from players. So they'll be given a ball and have it in V, they'll have a ball in their hand and have it, see it in VR so that then they're able to do the movement. But then obviously, ultimately they're getting protected because mm -hmm. they're not getting hit. But because you're in VR, you think it's real so you're able to kind of you're doing more likely the motion and action you would be doing in a game because that's what you're experiencing whereas if you do it in a lab saying okay i'm gonna have a player approaching you or you use like um 
I don't know, we sometimes use like cones or like, you know, the stick players that are just sat there and go, okay, I want you to approach them and side cut that way. Whilst you're getting that, you're anticipating, you know that play is coming to you and that's where you get in that unanticipation. You don't know what's going to happen, so you get in that reactive element. Mm -hmm. So that's really good that you're able to get that information and this is really where, as you said, sports teams, universities starting to invest in using these VR systems to incorporate in their like training to be able to get that. And that's another way where when you've got injured players, getting them back early so they can do like gameplay scenarios, but VR, you could have it where before injury, for example, you might simulate a gameplay, have them in VR and basically replicate it and see how they like react to it and then step it up. Okay. Which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to say like, that's pretty much answered the question in that it, it replicates the situation but minimizes the risk because as you say yeah. as you say injuries can happen in so many different you know circumstances that taking that out of the equation entirely it's only going to benefit uh, the athletes just two more questions if you will because as as you mentioned there's sort of like a an equal importance on lab based experiment and of course on the field of play and, and they are interdependent on each other and equally as important. How important is research in all of this? I think it's massively important because that is where you get in the validation and the standardization of how you should capture that data. But ultimately, as the research side needs to tie more closely into the, the elite world, we, we're fortunate that we do get exposure to them, but having a bit more collaboration with these teams or actually having elite teams investing more in the science or having a specific science team that rather than just relying on universities, there are, there are teams that do it. We've already mentioned IACS, but then you've also got other clinics that collaborate in as well so you've got like London Podiatry and Imperial London College that are working with like Tottenham, West Ham, Arsenal those teams that they're able to kind of get more of a foothold into those players and I think that's the key having that investment being like here's the evidence from the science but being able to apply it in a simple way but then Research is obviously a big part of that, but then also the technology companies such as ourselves also have a big role to play to make the technology more easier and accessible to players. So can it be more easy to set up? And this is where we've touched on it earlier, but wearable technology can really come into play. Simple setup, immediate feedback, having real-time feedback where coaches and athletes can use. So that kind of ties in that they might go, okay, this is more worthwhile as using, so we're going to incorporate more researchers into this because they, you know, like, we can do everything in field, we can do this on the training camp rather than just going straight into the lab. That's the key where we need to start going more into getting more away out of the lab onto the field where it actually happens. But um, obviously, it's still important having those lab data collections for like when we've had real injuries. But being able to monitor our athletes more often is obviously really important. And when they're injured, 
can we monitor in them day to day? I know I'm sure you're the same, but when I was a bit younger, certain exercises where they're like, okay, you need to do these four times a day. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do them. <laughs> and I might have done them twice. And yes, this attributes to me where I am today because I didn't listen to medical advice sometimes. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't do as many reps as I should have done because I got bored. But having that monitoring that those like the backing staff can be like, okay, we've seen that you didn't do these exercises or you're doing these exercises, but we're seeing you actually doing quite a lot of other activity that you're not telling us about. So, you know, like having that more information and kind of working out day to day, what's happening in between on and off the pitch is also like important from a recovery perspective. So this is really where technology is becoming more powerful. It's becoming more cheaper, smaller, and I guess easier to use. And as apps and technology improve, that's only going to get better. And hopefully we can get greater technology analyses rather than VAR. In, and hopefully that'll get better because the annoying thing is it's really powerful. It's just the way it's used right now is not correct. And this is where research comes into play, having it more intuitive and easier to use so it's not taking as much time because that's the problem with VAR at the moment it should be very quick it should be very streamlined that you shouldn't have to be stopping game time to run off the pitch the ref to look at a screen to run back on to check with the the third you know the refs up in the in the stands like what re-watching the VAR to kind of get that validation it should literally be a buzz on the watch being like that's a goal or no, this is a, a foul or a penalty. That's where we need to get that quick, instant feedback. And that is going to get there. It's just, as you said, it's that investment, not only for researchers, but the, the elite teams as well. And I think it's happening. They're slowly realising that investing in science is worthwhile because you get that investment. You look at, I'm sorry to say this, but Liverpool, like how much they have invested in the science over the years like their academy is mm-hmm. it is really good Ajax they're putting that investment even Everton Everton have had one of the best one of great youths that have come through their team with the academy and that's because they've actually invested in like science and technology to be able to help that and you do get those returns if you put it in it's just kind of seeing I guess the bigger picture from those teams that you do have to make those investments to see the rewards and this is where obviously the the science and research comes into play to help validate that 100 i mean i was having flashbacks to me hamstring rehab when you were talking about getting told off for not doing enough reps uh, <laughs> and, and, and paying the price for it now but to to finish up the podcast now and i've really enjoyed talking to you it's been an absolute education but um the the letter has things like predictions for you know, five years into the future and whatnot. And one of the things that jumped out to me was biomechanical principles will become principles for athletes and fans alike. Um, How so? And what are your predictions for the future when it comes to the sector? Yeah, I mean, it might be a little bit further on than we originally predicted because of COVID. Um, That's kind of put a kind of stamp in the works for... um, in fun technology but 
we're kind of seeing it a little bit in uh, athletics where if you're in the stadium or you're watching the Olympics at home, you kind of get in those replays with how close they are to the, the line. The way we kind of were envisioning it is, as you said, these like that biomechanics information. So using markless like tracking of those athletes and then you get in, okay, predictions like information like how quick they were. So how many miles per hour did they run? Uh, what was their cadence? And then you're also getting that information, like you said, the stats that, you are getting from the team so like footballers you see seeing how much far they run uh, during the game you know kind of what regions they are so you, you can imagine that that's going to start playing in the stadium so you're getting that more interaction with the crowds in the game because sometimes you get that when you're like on the sofa because you see it in sky sports where they show that but you don't always get that when you're watching it live so one of the things like a lot of teams and bodies are wanting to get is more information to the people that are watching it in the crowd. Because some of them, you see that they're constantly on the phones looking at their stats. But if it's being played in the stadium, they, they feel like they're getting that information without having to constantly look down at the phone. So obviously that's one kind of good good part of that they can kind of see how their teams are going, how the players are getting on as well, and they're kind of getting more feedback there. And also that obviously helps with the coaching staff. If they're getting more real-time feedback, can they potentially make changes that they originally weren't doing? So if they're getting like stats information from the opposition, for instance, of like, okay, we're getting really, uh, really crammed in the middle because that's where the hotspot are players. Can we like change our positions as well? You know, like, can we go more for a, uh, from standard 442 to like a, a 352, you know, like having that change in positions, could we actually mix our players and actually switch them because that play is getting closed down more? Can we, you know, so can it help in game decisions as well? Like for the manager and coach being like, okay, let's take this player off because this player seems to be a bit sluggish than normal performances day to day. Uh, on a game like oh they, they seem to be like not running as much as they normally would in that position does this mean that they're injured have they got a niggle let's take them off so I guess it's a combination of having as you said having information as a fan to kind of get more information on their favorite players how quick they're running as well and then I guess that's then those players will then, uh, those fans will then be going on Twitter, going, "Oh, this play needs to come off because they're not working as well," or you know that sort of side. But then also, it ultimately gives more information to to the staff on the team during the game, being like, "Can we make changes that makes us successful in the game, or do we need to get a player off because we're a little bit concerned they might have a niggle and things like that?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that. In my opinion, I think in any field or in any sector, at the end of the day, knowledge is power. And the more information that people have, uh, the more it will serve them as individuals better. And of course, as you've outlined several times, you know, collectively as a group, um, as an athlete and as a squad, it goes a long way. I just want to say, Kim, it's been a pleasure to talk. Thanks so much for your time. And in in regards to any sort of progressions in the field, uh, you're more than welcome to come on in the future and discuss them on the podcast. 
great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I look forward to listening to it back and uh, congrats on the podcast. It's, it's really interesting. I've listened to a few of yours, so it's really good. Thanks. That means a lot. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.